emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmons. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons.
another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemmons. You're tuned in to the show. It's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hey guys, so glad that you tuned in to another great edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show, guys. And I'm just so happy tonight that... Uh, you have taken a minute to tune in to, uh, to tonight's show and be with us. We've got a great show in store for you. Um, a lot of great things going on. Um, of course, we're going to be continuing our uh, discussion of the uh, Stand Up and Speak Up uh, event that we had a couple weeks ago. We're going to be sharing with you part two of this amazing conversation that we had with some uh, great minds, great thinkers uh, that uh, we did a Facebook Live with this group of panelists uh, we had just a couple weeks ago. And we're going to be sharing with you part two of this discussion during tonight's show cannot wait to share that with you uh, but of course we um, before we even get into that part uh, a lot of things to talk about uh, just starting out shouts out to all of the 2020 uh, college and high school graduates uh, we are just so proud of you and all that you have accomplished uh, just this past weekend uh, NBA all-star LeBron James uh, held a virtual graduation celebration for all of the graduates and former president Barack Obama was the commencement speaker and he did a tremendous job uh, encouraging uplifting and again celebrating the accomplishments of all of those graduates and tonight we want to pay special tribute to you uh, by um, giving you a special thought of the week taken from uh, our uh, commencement uh, celebration back in two, uh, back in 1998 from Michigan State University where we were the class speaker and this address was given uh, at the Breslin Student Events Center that's right guys back in December of 1998 and the theme was uh, the theme of our speech was entitled write the vision and make it plain we're going to be sharing that with you during tonight's show also wanted to just take a few minutes to uh, acknowledge and reflect upon the conclusion of the 10 part documentary the last dance that aired over this past weekend Sunday uh, episode 9 and 10 and I'm telling you guys it was really epic uh, this truly was a documentary of epic proportions one that uh was definitely appointment watching um it, it, it you know and, and what's amazing is that we all know exactly how things turned out we know they won the nba championship in 1998 but this uh, documentary left you on the edge of your seat throughout the entire 10-part series and one part that really stood out to me and uh, I believe was episode 9 uh, and and I'll say that and move on but um, the flu game that uh, Michael Jordan played in in 97 against the Utah Jazz many thought he had the flu but what it turns out uh, in episode 9 they said that it was actually food poisoning the night before um, one of his trainers ordered uh, from a uh, pizzeria, one of the only restaurants, according to um, what he said, that was open that evening. And um, the there were five 
individuals that showed up with this one pizza for Michael Jordan. And according to the trainer's um, account of what happened, uh, he said to himself that something must be wrong because why would five people be delivering a pizza to one apartment or one hotel room? And uh, and so, uh, sure enough, uh, Michael ended up getting sick that evening or early that morning uh, and what they thought was or what we thought was the flu when actually it was food poisoning. Uh, he still ended up uh, playing in that game, scored 38 points, played, I believe it was 45 minutes in that game. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Utah ended up losing that series in 97 and losing again in 98. And that was just the kind of competitor that Michael Jordan was. Man, I, there was no way I could not uh mention this tremendous documentary into with uh in tonight's show uh so I, I wanted to make mention of that again if you missed it you really missed it guys i cannot wait to rewatch uh this 10-part documentary in fact on wednesday uh espn is replaying or re-airing uh the 1998 game six uh, the movie version of uh, this uh, epic game between the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls when they uh, the Bulls win uh, and Jordan takes his final shot as a Chicago Bulls player. So this is something that's going to be airing tomorrow on ESPN, guys. So you definitely do not want to miss it. I'm not going to miss it either. But I just wanted to share my thoughts on this tremendous documentary that took place over these past Five uh, five weeks, the last dance, truly epic documentary. Today is also a very special day in Black history. Uh, it is the 95th birthday of El Hajj Malik El Shabazz, better known as Malcolm X. And today is celebrated as Malcolm X Day. That's right, guys. And uh, this is uh, a day that. Um, a lot of events have been going on. Uh, Malcolm X Day uh, was live streamed all on, across social media. Reverend Al Sharpton, uh, Stevie Wonder, Representative Ayanna Presley uh, joined the list of performers and speakers for this live event that marked the 95th birthday of the late great Malcolm X, uh, one of our iconic leaders in uh, black history and um, made certainly an indelible mark um, in um, in helping to uh, secure uh, equal rights and equal justice for uh, us as African Americans here in this country, uh, known around the world as um uh, a fiery orator, a great speaker, a great thinker in his own right. And certainly uh, we honor him on today. And I think it is a great segue into uh, our part two of our discussion of stand up, speak up uh, related to the deaths of uh, Ahmaud Arbery 
and Sean Reed. And of course, now we add uh, to the uh, to this conversation um, the tragic death of Brianna Taylor, the mother who uh, was recently uh, killed by uh, Louisville, Kentucky police um, in the wee hours of the morning, busting into her and her boyfriend's apartment uh, on a drug bust. They did not identify themselves, uh, but um, the according to reports, uh, the boyfriend Kenneth uh, was a registered gun owner, and he thought his apartment was being burglarized, and so he uh, took his weapon and began shooting. Uh, and the police returned fire, killing his girlfriend, and I believe he um, uh, injured one of the uh, police officers. So he was charged with attempted murder himself. Uh, but again, this is still an open case, and much is being discussed about this on social media. Want to give a shout out to Attorney Benjamin Crump, who is uh, just a civil rights leader, not just an attorney, but a civil rights leader, a social activist. I follow him on Twitter uh, at Attorney Crump, uh, and he has been posting updates uh, on this case and uh, the other cases that he is handling, uh, Ahmaud Arbery as well as Breonna Taylor. Uh, just recently he posted, uh, I'm glad to see these activists letting their voices be heard as we fight for justice. Hashtag justice for Ahmad. We must call out everyone involved in the injustice, including the DA, the DA's Georgia deserves better. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, he also posted an update on uh, Kenneth Walker, who was the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor. Uh, Ken, hashtag Kenneth Walker was released on bail thanks to Judge Alou Stevens of Louisville, Kentucky. He saw right through LMPD's lies and delivered a first step toward justice for Kenny and his family. Thank you, Judge Stevens. We need more judges like you elevated in our courts nationwide. I'm glad that uh, Kenneth Walker has been released and hopefully the charges will be dropped because uh, he is a licensed gun owner and he was only doing what he thought at the time was right and protecting himself as well as his girlfriend. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm just, um, you know, uh, again, I'm speechless like many of you trying to grapple with, uh, you know, the recent deaths of these uh, these three individuals. And I'm sure there are more that don't even make the headlines, don't even make the news. Uh, and these, if it were not for social media, if it were not for video, uh, probably would not uh, be probably would not be discussed in this manner, uh, even on our show as well. And so. We just want to take this time again to acknowledge those that are working on their behalf. Again, Attorney Benjamin Crump, Reverend Al Sharpton, and many others that are standing with them, uh, standing with their families. We, you know, these have got to be tremendous times for them. One thing that um, we did not mention during our uh, podcast, uh, stand up and speak out or speak up was um, due process. Um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, 
the citizens arrest but one thing that did not come out of that discussion was what gives these individuals the right uh, to serve as judge jury and executioner of these uh, these black lives it did not make any sense whatsoever uh, if in fact uh, these these men and women were wrong and whatever they were doing if they were arrested um, or uh, by a citizen in the case of Ahmad Arbery if he was trespassing uh, trespassing the last time I checked did not uh, result in death uh, the penalty is not death he is due he is um, uh, afforded due process and uh, and the judge determines what his punishment is and should be in fact uh, there's also footage of other uh, white uh, uh, trespassers walking onto the construction site that were not uh, hunted down and murdered like this young black jogger was uh, and and so um you know it's it's just uh it's unfortunate and then what happens after uh, deaths like these you know is uh you know the character assassination as a means or a way to justify what happened to uh these unfortunate victims and that's just not fair and it's not right and certainly it reminds us of uh you know Trayvon Martin for example uh we all remember what happened to this young man several years ago and um we we wrote a blog just recently about that it's called Dear Trayvon on our website michaelnimmons.com we encourage you to read it because to me uh that's what happened uh in this in this case you know these lives are taken and uh, their their story is not um, they're not able to tell their side they're not able to tell their story because their life was was so tragically taken and so all we're left to hear at least uh, uh, you know in large part is from um, the 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 suspected killers and and them justifying why they did what they did and we're not able to hear the other side of the story which is um, which is unfortunate also according to raw story uh, website uh, officer who shot Brianna Taylor to death is a quote-unquote dirty cop with a vendetta according to the ongoing federal lawsuit a uh, federal lawsuit is accusing one of the narcotics detectives in the shooting death a 26 year old EMT Brianna Taylor of violating the civil rights of suspects the Louisville Courier Journal reports the suit which was filed in October 2019 by Kendrick Wilson, says that Officer Brett Hankinson, Hankinson's fatal misdeed was attracting the unwanted and undeserved attention of Hankinson, who had decided that Wilson, for one reason or another, had to be engaged in illegal activity and that he had to ensure his conviction. And so, as you can see, more information is coming out about the officers that were involved in uh, the murder of this uh, young black EMT, Brianna Taylor. Uh, we're going to continue to keep our eyes posted on this situation here. Uh, but we want to make sure we added this as an addendum to the conversation uh, that we initially had 
on May the 11th regarding the tragic deaths of uh, black jogger Ahmad Arbery and Sean Reed. So, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that we talked about this during tonight's show. And uh, hopefully those that are responsible for their deaths will uh, be held accountable, you know, in the court of law and they get their just punishments. And that is where we are. And I just wanted to share a little bit about that due process because uh, that is what's missing in this conversation. Uh, when you talk about citizens' arrests, uh, they do not have the right to serve as judge, jury, and executioner uh, in those cases uh, because you are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. The judge has the final say and should have the final say on uh, whether you are guilty or innocent or jury of your peers uh, should have the last say on on your guilt or your innocence and not a uh, citizen's bullet. And that is what is so unfortunate about all of this. And, um, you know, this is what we have to think about and this is a part of our discussion we wanted to make that a part of uh, this discussion as we head into sharing with you part two of this tremendous discussion that we had with my good friends uh, attorney amanda mcray attorney jeremy bowie the honorable council member kendrick bates of uh, highland park uh, deputy chief ray washington uh, professor associate professor of criminal justice jennifer cobina good my good friend attorney boyd white and another good friend of ours attorney aaron burrell a great conversation that we had and we're going to be sharing with you part two of this stand up and speak up event that we live streamed on Facebook just a couple weeks ago. Guys, we're going to be posting the entire event on our newly rebranded Thinking Out Loud TV YouTube channel very, very soon. Stay tuned for that. So somebody say also mark your calendar, say the date June the 1st is going to be our next our next listener event is called the State of Christian Hip Hop. That's right, guys. A good friend of ours, poet and lyricist, shouts out to her, Ty Scott King, and I are going to be co-hosting this event on our newly rebranded YouTube channel, Thinking Out Loud TV. This is definitely an event you do not want to miss. We've posted a teaser uh, flyer on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud radio show t uh, radio show please do us a favor and share it on social media let everybody know that we our next listener event is coming up and it's not going to be on our fa facebook live but it's going to be on youtube live on our newly rebranded uh, thinking out loud tv youtube channel so we've got some great things coming up guys and i want you to stay tuned for that well, as you see, guys, we've got another great show in store for you. Uh, a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to discuss on tonight. Again, we're going to be sharing with you part two of our discussion of stand up and speak speak up, uh, talking about the untimely deaths, the murders of Ahmad Arbery and Sean Reed. When we come back, guys, we're getting right into this discussion. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows online. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back.
You're tuned in to the thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Vision should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister, Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought-provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega-pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. 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 Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Because I think this is a conversation worth having and we want to get more people involved in just a few minutes. We're going to be uh, posting the link to this uh, Zoom meeting uh, in our Facebook comments so that you'll be able to be a participant and ask your questions, uh, you know, because I know there are some people who have questions that they've posted on Facebook so far. And we want you to be able to ask those questions directly of those that on our panel. I want to go back to something that Jeremy uh, said about um, Sean Reed and uh, just striking to me that the police uh, shot this young man 10 times. I think it was 10 or 11 times. And I was thinking to myself, you know, why, why did they have to shoot him so many times that, that never, I, I, even, even when you hear, you know, not just him, but other, um, you know, other assailants that police officers have, um, have shot and killed, you know, why, why do it, why, why does it take so many bullets to, uh, to stop, to stop a person? And uh, I, I think at some point it becomes excessive in my mind. I, that's, that's just me thinking. 
I don't know because I'm not a police officer. I'm not in that position. Uh, but it, it, it just seems to me like, you know, after the, after you disabled him, after, you know, uh, you, you're shooting, you, you, you're not shooting to disable at this point, you're actually shooting to kill this person. So I want to, I want to get your thoughts on that because to me, it seems excessive 10 bullets or 11 bullets or 13 bullets to kill someone and, and, uh, or, or to, 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 to stop someone because that that's ultimately what I'm thinking they're trying to do, but something else is obviously going on. Who, who wants to answer that? Yeah. Go ahead, Ray. Well, well, I think you asked for Jeremy. I don't want to jump in front of him, but but but, but, I, but I said I, I was just going back to what he said, though, gotcha. because that 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 struck me when when I was looking at this case with Sean Reed yes. that it took so many bullets to stop this young man when yes. it when when one bullet should, could have done that. So so a couple of things here, uh, you know, um, you're talking to somebody 37 years in law enforcement. And, and and who have done some of the most dangerous things, most dangerous things you can do in law enforcement, from working undercover to buying drugs to working gang units to uh, doing for 14 years of my career. One of the most, the most dangerous thing you can do is walking up to a car on a traffic stop. That's where most of our officers are killed. People mm. think SWAT stuff and it's all of that. It's the simple routine traffic stop where we lose most of our officers around the country. I've done those things. Fortunately enough, by the grace of God, I, I, I never, I've never had to shoot anyone. I've had to draw my weapon. I've had to, I had to think real quick, is this getting ready to happen? But it never happened. And I thank God for that. But also I think it's, it comes from a lot of training and it comes from a lot of understanding of the culture that we're, that we're policing. And I think again, that, 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 that matters a lot. So when you ask the questions about uh, why does it take so many bullets? Uh, why does it? And, and and let me say this: when we when we have to make the decision to use a weapon, we're not using the weapon to I'm going to uh, uh, wound someone or I'm going to shoot someone in the leg and stop them. That 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 is not the training. That doesn't make good sense training because it's supposedly when we're using our weapon, we're using it because our life or someone else's life is in immediate danger. Their life is in imminent danger. So we have to use the the force necessary to stop that person. If they they happen to get shot in the leg and it stops them and and we don't have to take any more action, then that's fine. But uh, we don't take our weapons out to use them to wound someone. We have to stop the action that's getting ready to take someone's lives. That's the concept of when to shoot. But nevertheless, uh, uh, you know, when we talk about why does it take 13 bullets and why does it take all of that, I, I don't know that it takes any of that. I mean, you know, those are officers who have to justify that some kind of way. Uh, I, I don't, I don't. again, someone who has never had to shoot anyone, I can't tell you how it took 13 rounds of, uh, uh, to, to stop someone and uh, to, to especially someone who is fleeing away from you. You follow me? So, so we have to always talk about is, is someone's life in danger? Did they know he had a gun? If they didn't stop him, could someone's life be in danger? Could he run and hold someone hostage or whatever is going through your mind to make you think that you have to shoot? But how it takes 13 shots, I, I have no idea. I, I like to think half those shots missed, but I guess he was shot that many times. So right. I just can't even explain that. Right. Yes, sir, Jerry. 
Jeremy. I'm sorry, I'm not the host, Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah, um, so it's interesting to me how they would be able to justify that when when the taser subdued him, you know? And if you look at his actions beforehand, it wasn't like they caught him uh, armed robbery or, you know, shots fired in, in the neighborhood. Right. He was driving crazy. He was driving stupidly. And then, yeah, it's wrong for him to flee. But then if the threat is him driving recklessly and harming someone, he stopped him when he parked the car and ran. So there's no more threat after that point for a gun to be used. They tased him and then they shot him. What's interesting to me, though, I don't think they knew he was recording. No. So this narrative, I want everyone to follow the narrative, okay? Follow the narrative and watch how it changed when they find out, ooh, we got a video of this. We can hear the audio. We can hear everything. Ooh, we don't see a gun on him. Uh, Maybe we shouldn't have made the statements that we made that he fired shots at us. We don't hear gunshots Mm. from him. You know, oh, maybe we should uh, not say that the taser didn't wait, didn't work. Oh, you certainly hear the electrical currents from the taser hit him. Him say, ah, you know. So, um, yeah, eleven shots is, is overkill. To me, it's military style type training. I, you you don't need all that. You know, there should be a step in front of pull to kill, especially when you're doing, dealing with domestic citizens. I understand when you're in Iraq. I understand you in Iraq, you hey, you pull that gun in Iraq, you got to shoot. You know, you don't know what's going on there. But here, I think there needs to be, a, all right, let me pull the gun, let me shoot him in the knee. I don't see a gun on him. I don't see anything on him. I just need to stop him, not kill him. You don't have to kill someone to stop them. That's what a taser is. That taser is that 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 middle ground. That 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 device that you're going to use because whatever you're doing to have to subdue someone or get them under control, you're not. You don't have to shoot your weapon because it, it just doesn't take it for that instance. And so, how you tase someone and then at some point have to now shoot him eleven times? I can't tell you. I wasn't there. And, and I know people here. The police say, "Well, I wasn't there." You have to let the investigation play out and you do because I was reading somewhere in that that there was a weapon that uh, was found very close to uh, 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 Mr. Reed, right. Sean and uh, and that um, it then that they they're now saying it was it was his that had been shot two times. Right. I don't know. We don't know. We right. have to we have to let that investigation play out. But you know I just want citizens to know that when it comes to an officer firing his weapon, he's going to have to justify. He's going to have to justify why that happened. And if those officers can't justify that, then 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 we've seen officers be charged for that same thing, for that, for, for that simple thing. Um, I want to uh, get to a, a couple comments that some Facebook viewers are posting on our Thinking Out Loud Facebook page. Uh, those of uh, you who are watching on uh, our Facebook Live, think facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show. That's our Facebook page. Please like it and share the Facebook stream on your uh, timelines. Uh, I want to shout out Michelle Madison, who uh, made a comment. She said, respectfully, I disagree with Ray. He makes some great points. <laughs> However, I do not think the individual should be trained to not get killed by police who should be trained professionally. Uh, diversity training amplifies the disregard in many participants, amplifies the disregard 
and many participants. Concise and direct statements and protocols should be a part of an organization's mission statement and overall values. It should not be a compartmentalized subject that people can complete complete as an annual or semi-annual training. I believe the gist of what she's saying, though, is that um, people should not have to be trained uh, to not be killed when officers who are trained to uh, to not kill their 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 training is is supposed to be much better than a citizen's uh, training. They're they're coming into a situation with more information, more training than the uh, the average person. So, you know, what, what 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 what? How would you respond to that? So how I would respond to that, and I and I agree with her. Uh, in part, but, but how, how I would respond to that is that, yes, <clears throat> police officers need constant training. I think I said that earlier. We, right. we have to constantly uh, uh, train and remind ourselves of what it is that we're doing and what our oath is and, and to be the professionals that, we're, that we take a vow to, to, to be. But as it relates to how we train uh, 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 citizens, listen, let me be very clear. I'm going to train my sons. I trained, I trained my, 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 both of my boys that, listen, and, and, and one who was a police officer uh, uh, before he laid off and, and went on to something else. But I trained both of them as young black men. Listen, if the police approach you, this is what you're going to do. You're going to always have your hands visible. You're going to always say yes, sir, no, sir. Hopefully, uh, uh, yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. Uh, uh, you're going to always be very cooperative because if I don't train them that way and we get officers who are rogue and we get those officers who may not know the, 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 the culture of how young black boys talk, all oh, dog, that, I, ain't, I ain't got nothing, dog. Why we, that's just the way they talk. That's a term of endearment in the street for, for, for them to say that. But an officer who may not understand that thinks now he's being disrespected. So right. I need to train my sons on how they should conduct themselves so that they don't end up in a casket on the ground that I have to come try and see what and, and figure out what happened, what went wrong, because the police officer who may not under, may not have understood felt like he was being disrespected and my son lost his life. Right. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. Stephanie D. Sanders, award-winning singer, songwriter, author, voiceover artist, and more. Heard on shows like the Time Join the Morning Show and the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Book Stephanie D. Sanders to voice over your podcast or radio intros or commercials. Do yourself a favor and visit stephaniedsanders.com and upgrade your podcast or radio show by booking Stephanie D. Sanders. You'll definitely be glad that you did. All pro football player Derek Mason on Jay Z in the NFL. Jay Z said, you know, we're past nearly because Jay Z. You may be past milling, but the guys that are still milling, the guys that are still fighting for injustice, they're not past milling. Everybody's screaming that, oh, Jay-Z's at the table now. We should be happy that one of us is at the table. 
Just because you're at the table doesn't mean we all eat the same. Poet and lyricist Ty Scott King on the culture of CHH. My brain is overloaded. Like, I think a lot of people are like, man, there's not really many people doing this. There are thousands of very amazing artists that are doing Christian hip-hop. So I think about Aaron Cole. I think about Stephen Malcolm, who, if there's someone that could hear an interview and be like, I want to work with him, like, he would be a person that I, I would love to work with. He's just a phenomenal rapper, just really creative. Wande, she's another one that, uh, another artist that I had on my radio show. She is, Wande um, is maybe in her early 20s. She's doing a lot of stuff now with Reach Records and just really different, <laughs> really, um, going against the grain. Griff from Get Up Mornings with Erica Campbell on what he does besides comedy. Yeah, yeah. Comedy is always my first my first job. Radio is my side job, but I just um, got a nonprofit. I've been working with other people's nonprofits for the last 30 years, um, and I just created my own nonprofit, 501c3, called the Process Success Foundation to deal with leadership. And basically, I'm just gonna take a bunch of young men on field trips all around the world. And I can show you how during the NHL season that all basketball stadiums have ice on them with the hardwood over the ice. Once I show you those processes, then I can teach you the process forgiveness. I can teach you the process of love. I can teach you the process of being grateful. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I know you're enjoying part two of our inaugural listener event entitled Stand Up and Speak Up. Let's get back into this powerful forum. Um. Yeah, so I would like to say, I mean, I think I, all of us would agree that, you know, if we have kids or, you know, young people, we're going to teach them and train them to comply with the police. Definitely. I think all of us would do that. I think that we need to also consider that when people experience, have these personal experience, negative personal experiences with the police or indirect, vicarious and negative experiences with the police. Sometimes when you are in a situation, you know, it's one of those fight or flight. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to do when you're in a situation where you don't feel safe. Yes, I could have been trained to comply, but right now everything's telling me to run because I don't feel safe or because I know so-and-so who complied and it didn't end up well for them. And so definitely not trying to make excuses, but uh, I think all of us would train our kids to comply, but we often don't even know how we would respond until we are in a situation where we feel unsafe. And sometimes that, um, that alternative that people choose to do is to flee thinking that they would have a better option, uh, that it would be better for them to flee and still have their, 
potentially their life as opposed to complying and, and not knowing how officers would respond, particularly given that we know that uh, so many officers respond very aggressively to young black males, particularly those who are living in um, in neighborhoods uh, that are have, you know, uh, poor neighborhoods uh, where there's high rates of crime. And so I, that, I just I just want to put out put that out there as well. I agree. We've had we've had officers shoot uh, kids for and people for running away, and 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 then so where do you where where does it stop? They're they're fleeing because they're scared and they get shot. They're, they're complying and they get shot. That's why it takes continuous training among police officers. But I, but what I do want to say for some of you who can go back to. Uh, the Rodney King uh, situation. Some of you probably too young, probably have heard about Rodney King, but in, in that, oh, yeah, in that we know case, about Rodney King. Say it again. I said, yeah, we know about Rodney King. Can yeah, we so, all just so, get along? Say yeah. So, so Rodney King, who is being beat right. uh, by several police officers, and he, and they're saying, stay down, stay down, and you're being beat, and you're constantly trying to move and get up and move. How many people are gonna lay there and just continuously get beat? So, so, so I get the part that your mind tells you to do something because you feel like you're in danger. If I lay here, are they gonna beat my brains out? If I continue, if I move or get up or try to get away, do, do I do I save my life? It's just it's 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 it's, it's the police really in uh, uh, our training and and our and our thought process and what we need to do to control that situation so that we don't give officers an out or think that they're going to get an out because you were moving. I thought he was going for a gun or he was running and he was reaching for something or he, he didn't stop his car. And so I saw him moving before I got up to him. We got to take all of that out of the police officer's mindset that they think they can do those, those kind of things by doing some things that we need to do as citizens, not just young people, as citizens, period. When the police, look, I'm the police. I live in an area. I live in an area. Uh, that's predominantly white, and Mike, Mike, me, and Mike were neighbors at one time. I think we had three percent of uh, 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 African Americans that live in the city that I choose to live in. Listen, the police officer stopped me in my car or my wife's car, and and, and, and they're approaching me. God, fortunately, that hadn't happened. Thank God. But when it does, as a as the deputy chief of the Wayne County Sheriff's Office, I'm like this. I don't light on. I'm like this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, don't nobody move nothing. Officer, I have a gun on me. This is who I, yes, this is who I, I'm not, I'm not going to even play the game of, I'm just going to see how far he's going to go before I tell him I'm the deputy chief. I'm right. telling him right off the rip because right. I don't want no mistakes. I want to live through this stop and I don't right. want him to say what he should have told me and I found out he had a gun and I feared for my life, so I shot him. Right, right. Right. Hey guys, this this is a great conversation that we're having. Uh, those that are on Facebook, I, I I'm again appreciate you watching and sharing. Uh, on tonight, we're talking again about Ahmaud Arbery and Sean Reed. But the overarching theme of tonight's discussion is about uh, police brutality in the black community. And I want to shift now gears toward talking more about solutions and what we can do as a community uh, to to get closer to. Uh, the solution. Uh, I want to start with uh, Professor um, Kobina because you wrote a book. Uh, we had you on our Thinking Out Loud radio show a little while ago. Uh, Hands up, don't shoot. And the question that I have for you, uh, you know, we've talked about 
criminal justice reform. And many people have been saying this and, you know, uh, and we've heard this in conversations before. I'm sure everyone that's watching on Facebook, those that are on the panelists as well, have heard this uh, put out there uh, before. But I want to know from Professor Cobina, what does criminal justice reform look like to you? And then I want to uh, pose that question to some of the other panelists. But start with you, Professor. So, you know, I, I, so I would say that it's important for us to acknowledge um, the, the deep historical forces that really follow a pattern of social control over black people that's really entwined in the very fabric of this nation, right? I think we need to address history um, uh, because if we don't pay attention to the history, any attempts to try to control uh, crime or improve police-citizen relations, I think will be... Um, uh, I think it's going to fail or be mediocre at best. And so some criminologists uh, such as myself and others have stressed the need to really address America's history of racial injustice. Uh, and so, for instance, the, the National Initiative for Building Community Trust and uh, Justice at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, they've developed a police uh, community reconciliation framework where you have uh, members of the police force as well as members in the community coming together to address past and present um, harms as well as air, having an opportunity to air grievances. So this uh, police reconciliation framework um, includes several components. So one of which is to acknowledge the harm by law enforcement as to how traditional policing has been harmful and damaging to certain segments of the population, largely uh, black and brown uh, communities. But it's also an opportunity for community members uh, and police officers to express what they think and feel. And so because oftentimes, we, you know, members in law enforcement are not always listening and hearing um, the stories and the voices and the narratives from members in the community. And so it's an opportunity for both sides to listen to one another and understand why they feel the way they do. Um, but part of this uh, framework also entails having listening sessions where this is being recorded and it's going to be disseminated to, to the community as well as, um, uh, as well as to law enforcement where you're acknowledging, where there's an acknowledgement of the, again, the present state of distrust between police and the public. And this recording needs to be done in order for there to be public recognition that this happened, it's real, and, um, and it has meaning. And then certainly that is then to lead to um, a concrete a policy changes that that is agreed upon by members in law enforcement as well as uh, uh, the police force. Uh, but, but this reconciliation process is really grounded like in restorative justice, uh, where you bring parties who have harmed right. and who have been harmed together so that their voices are being heard and then uh, whenever you're, you are part of restorative justice, together you are coming up with a solution as, in terms of how to move forward. And, and so that, this is what this police community reconciliation framework does. Really, um, it's about, it has the principles of restorative justice, truth-telling, and reconciliation so that both sides are heard and then concrete action is taken um, uh, to try to improve relations within the community. I want to bring some other panelists in. I want to bring uh, the council member, Ken, Ken Bates, into this uh, as well. Uh, what are your thoughts about criminal justice reform? What does that look like to you? Well, I, I agree the uh, restorative justice approach is uh, uh, um, a faceted uh, approach that should be utilized. But there are other things. 
you know, when we look at policies within uh, um, the government. So, for example, in Highland Park, our chief executive offers a former police officer, the um, the city attorney is a, a former police officer. Police officers tend to be more of the authoritarian type, meaning, you know, it's all top down. They don't take suggestions very well. They want compliance. And that's the way we have people behaving in city government. We've got to change that narrative. And so, you know, people need to engage in some critical thinking, start looking at the people they elect to office. Uh, in terms of vetting police officers, they're testing, there's tests that you can do to weed out individuals that show those types of aggressive behaviors. Um, you know, our city has been plagued over the years with a number of, of, of individuals that are, were just not suitable to be police officers, and yet they were here. And so we, we got to be able to weed that out and have policies um, that will address uh, the grievances of the, of, the, of the public. So a police commission, you know, in Detroit, they struggle with theirs. Uh, uh, I believe Commissioner Willie Burton was arrested for um, um, uh, disagreeing with the surveillance policy that the city wanted to establish. You need to have civilian oversight and it should not be influenced by uh, elected other elected officials or, or uh, you know, large donors it needs to be independent to hold people accountable and so that it looks transparent or I'm sorry, so that it is transparent. Uh, that's really, really important. And we need to encourage people of color to assume these roles of it within the power structure. So, um, you know, I work with kids and I, and I often encourage them. I said, you should look into law enforcement. You know, you live in this community. If you're not happy with what you see, then you need to be a part of that solution. You need to seek office. You need to get into that uh, AG spot or, or that prosecutor spot. You need to be the commander or the captain or what have you. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that is of great challenge need to make some change not only from the outside by pushing uh, up against this this normative uh, of this policy but from the inside you know and it has to be a multifaceted approach in order for us to achieve true change over over time because you know yeah just just you know kind of bringing people to the table asking questions um, you know getting them to admit things a lot of times, yeah, they'll they'll comply and they'll say nice things and they'll go about their, their usual behavior, you know, resort back to what they know. And so, again, and if we look at residency, you know, uh, even when Detroit didn't have residency restrictions, we, we were uh, the, the cops were living in Warrendale. They were living in the northwest Detroit. They were all isolated. They were living in pockets away from the people because we didn't encourage them to, to mix into the crowd. We, we've got to break up the cycle of poverty. People have to be able to take the time to know each other and form relationships because relationship building in the end is what will change people's views of one another, especially people of color and, and, and white folks. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I completely agree uh, that, that there, there needs to be a multifaceted uh, change and, 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 and not just, you know, change in one area, but there needs to be, you know, uh, one thing I like that you said, it needs to be changed from on the inside. It needs to be more uh, prosecutors that look like us, more uh, DAs, more mm -hmm. judges, more uh, police officers that look like us, that, 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 uh, that, that share our backgrounds, that share our culture, that share uh, our, our, um, 
our mindset, you know, because um, the, 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 you know, it, it needs, needs to be, uh, the criminal justice system needs to be more diverse, not just in the middle, but at the top. And, uh, and, and so for me, that's what I think is, is, is important. And then also um, there needs to be, from what I understand, there isn't a universal form of training for police officers is more is left up to the states or even the cities from what I understand um, to come up with training for their, their different precincts. But I think it should be training universally. Um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Ray, is that, is that how it is? Cause, because I, I was told that it's not a universal, universal training, but it's the, 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 the federal government leaves it up to uh, the, the precincts uh, the individual precincts to, to train their 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 uh, police officers the way they want to. So in, in Michigan, we have uh, what we call MCOs, Michigan Coalition, Michigan Coalition on Law Enforcement Standards. They they are the ones who set the standard for the state on how we police overall. But then there are certain things in cities that are specific to what we need to do within our city. As we de- as we develop our policies and things that are that are in line with our MCO standards, mm-hmm. but that we need to be specific about as we police in the city of Detroit. As uh, and, and to address um, uh, Brother Bates' uh, uh, comments just very briefly, uh, uh, I, I totally agree with what he's saying when we talk about having citizen involvement. And, and uh, for, I did 24 years in the Detroit Police Department, and 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 in Detroit Police Department. Well, we were very uh, top heavy in my time in the 80s. We started having we started there, there seemed to be a rise of upper echelon police executives who were black people. Uh, right now, we have a black chief of police in Detroit. We have a black fire commissioner in Detroit. We have right. a black Wayne County sheriff, uh, uh, a sheriff in Detroit. We have a Wayne County prosecutor who's a black woman in Detroit. In Detroit, my, my wife came from Kansas City. And, and she always jokes about how everybody, everybody, in, everybody in Detroit, they, 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 black people run Detroit, and 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 pretty much that's true. Uh, uh, we had a mayor, a black mayor, for years until just recently. And so, uh, uh, in the seventies, they did have that where they lived in pockets and things like that. Uh, but once in the eighties, when I came in, we lived in the community. We 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 had we lived right next door to criminals and went to church with people who were doing the on the other side of the law. And when we went to the grocery store, you run into those people. So we we were policing in a matter of I'm going to see this person at at the gas station who I locked up. I'm I, I know his mother because we go to church together. Right. And you know those those kind of things helped our our uh, 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 situation as police officers in the 80s and 90s and, and on now, until now, it flipped again, and it seems to be those people who are coming into the police department, and I think most of them are coming in for the right reasons, but we still have those that came come here, and when they're leaving home, they're, all they hear is their family members saying, well, you get back home this bad, the best way you can. You do what you gotta do. You just, they're, they're coming in, policing in fear versus policing to protect and serve as we should be doing all the time. So, you know, uh, uh, citizens, the citizen groups that we need, the citizen over oversight that we have in the commit police commissioners and those things, those are black people for the most part. It's, it's, right. a, it's a mixed group, but for the most part, those are black people who are overseeing what we do as police officers. My wife works for 
the uh, chief of police, chief investigator's office, who actually investigate wrongdoing, not criminal wrongdoing, but policy wrongdoing of police officers. Mm. A lot of them, probably all of them are black people. So these mm. are people who are, are, are policing as citizens, police department, uh, police officers, and I think that's a good thing. So I totally agree what you're saying, uh, Brother Bates. I want to bring... You're tuned in to the thinking giving voice to issues that matter to you. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons for over 20,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and MichaelNimmons.com. Tune in today. The Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. What's cracking Planet Earth? It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemitz. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. I know you enjoyed part two of our inaugural listener event entitled Stand Up and Speak Up. Let's hear the conclusion of this powerful forum. Um, Amanda into this conversation and I wanted to get your, your thoughts on uh, you know, criminal justice reform, what that looks like to you. Before I do that, though, uh, I have posted uh, the link to uh, this Zoom meeting uh, on our Facebook fan page. So those of you who are interested in actually joining this conversation, because this is a community forum, I want you to be able to be a part of this. Uh, just know this podcast that we're doing tonight is going to be available 
uh, on um, our uh, our regular show tomorrow at 8 p.m. Those that were not able to be a part of this or listen to it or watch it, you'll be able to tomorrow at 8 o'clock, as well as on our rebranded YouTube channel, Thinking Out Loud TV. So we're going to be making this, uh, this entire uh, discussion available in two formats. Uh, so uh, we just want to let you all know that. But if you want to uh, make a comment or you want to be a part of this discussion, we're going to be letting some of you on in just a little bit before uh, we run completely out of time. But Amanda, I want you to chime in and give us your thoughts on uh, what you think criminal justice reform looks like. Um, can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, I mean, it's. I think that I think that what uh, Councilman Bates and the professor said. I, I I do agree with a lot of what has been said. Um, I, I just think overall action is required. Um, we we have to do more than just sit on our couches. Um, we need to you know hold our local and state of officials accountable. Um, I think we need to attend local and state public hearings and forums to be aware of what's happening in our communities and to voice any of our concerns. Um, I think it's important that we stay educated on our rights, um, know the importance of voting, the law drafting process, uh, what police officers can and cannot do, uh, whatever issues burden our community. Um, I think we need to back persons in our community who are interested in being a public servant. Um, that's important. Um, a lot of people don't realize that they see elected officials as celebrities. They are public servants. Um, and we must demand sound, excuse me, sound policy um, from these public services and expect them to be advocates to affect change. Um, whether they're, you know, I don't know if factions is the right word to use, but for lack of a better word, factions may need to be created to carry out these measures to hold our local and state officials accountable. Um, and we, you know, in a you know on a, on a basic level, we need to at least know who our local, state, and federal leaders are. Um, we need to know who they are. Um, we need to know what they're about. We need to follow their their voting track, their their, their voting track. Um, and obviously, um, we need to vote. So, um, you know, in addition to what everyone else has said, those are just some fundamental fundamentals that I think should be added onto the plate. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm getting ready to shift gears again because we've talked about, you know, we talked about the problem of police brutality and, uh, you know, uh, I, again, I don't want to spend the entire time talking about the problem. That was definitely not the purpose of us coming together. Um, but we also talked about a little bit about criminal justice reform and what that looks like. But I also want to make sure that we uh, we touch on uh, what we can do as the as regular citizens. Uh, and, and Amanda, you brought that out very clearly. And I want to touch on this uh, as we, you know, shift gears uh, in this particular uh, uh, forum tonight. I want to share my screen real quick because I have something I want to show uh, show some show the panelists to respond to uh, real quickly. Um, Pete Diddy made uh, made a statement. Uh, a couple, we, and we talked about this in uh, a couple shows ago. It might have been last, the last episode. Is the black vote for sale? So I want you to take a look at this uh, because I think voting is very important. But I want you to hear what he had to say and and um, and, and give us some of your thoughts. The black vote is not going to be for free. We're going to have to see some promises. 
You know, what are we getting in return for our vote? Nothing has changed for black America. And in order for us to vote for Biden, we can't be taken for granted like we always are because we're supposed to be Democrats or because people are afraid of Trump. It's whoever's going to take care of our community, whoever wants to make a deal, it's, it's, it's business at this point. You know, we can't trust politicians, you know, so we want to know very clearly, just like Trump made it clear that he wanted to build a wall, Biden needs to make it clear that he's going to change the lives and quality of life of black and brown people, else he can't get the vote. I will hold the vote hostage if I have to. He said it here, said it first. Breaking news, breaking news. <laughs> and so before you, before I throw it to the, to the panelists, the black vote is not going to be for free. Uh, 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 read something that, uh, uh, Vice President Biden, uh, well, th- there's a, a couple things. First, let's start with Trump, because Trump said these these were his remarks regarding the Ahmad uh, uh, Arbery uh, killing. You know, justice being done is the thing that solves the problem. There could be something that we didn't see on the tape. Uh, I want that to resonate with those of you. This is the President of the United States talking about, uh, you know, what happened to this this black jogger, Amaya Aubrey. Now, uh, I want to stop my share just for a minute because I want to read um, some comments made by uh, 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 former Vice President Biden, who also happens to be uh, the uh, presumptive Democratic nominee for President of the United States. And this is what uh, uh, Joe Biden said about this, uh, this killing. Uh, here he says the video. The video is clear. Ahmad Ar- um, Aubrey was killed in cold blood. My heart goes out to his family, who deserves justice and deserves it now. It's time for a swift, full, and transparent investigation into his murder. So um, I, I bring these three things up because. I'm sure all of you know the importance of voting and we have this presidential election coming up in November. So uh, let's start here first with, um, with what P. Diddy said. Uh, we talked about this on our show that I agree with the spirit of what he said, but not necessarily the timing of what he said. And because yeah. we don't, we, we only have two candidates left. There's only two, Trump and Joe Biden. So if Joe Biden still has to earn our vote, then what, what sense does that make then? Because you only have Trump to vote for, or are we saying we're not going to vote? And, and so I'm putting that out there to kind of get your thoughts on the time, on what he said, and then to also juxtapose that to what is going on in this Ahmaud Arbery and Sean Reed case and how these two men responded to what they to what happened, because we obviously know there needs to be a change in in Washington, and it's obvious the the, the current occupant in the White House, as Congressman Ayanna Presley puts it, uh, doesn't really know what's going on, but we need someone who uh, is actually uh, competent and 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 able and and can uh, you know uh, I believe stand for. Uh, what we, you know, what we as a black community, uh, you know, uh, our interests 
and what we believe in. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on all of that. Uh, who wants to go first? Go ahead. Let Jeremy go. All right. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to let you uh, chime in. All right. Um, you know, I agree with P. Diddy that the black voters, the black vote is important and it shouldn't be. Uh, he has to earn our vote. You can't sell us propaganda. You can't sell us um, false hopes. Um, you have to show that you have an uh, African-American centered policies that are one possible and executable. But also we have to vote. Um we can't just come out in record numbers when there's someone running like us or who looked like us. We can't only have interest in um, presidential elections where, you know, my, my thing is, you know, I agree with him and, and, it's, and it's hard because I agree with what he's saying, but you kind of got to sell yourself because we got somebody awful in office. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of like a PD I'm with you, but be quiet. Yeah, but yeah. You know, it's, it's, right, right. So, right. so, but, so, but, but my, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I was going to say you. I agree with you. What yeah. PD did, what PD did, was possibly kill hundreds of thousands of votes from exactly. the black vote by saying that nonsense that he said. And yeah. I and I have to say, in part, it's nonsense because mm -hmm. we don't have a choice. We, Trump had Trump showed us who he was before he was even president. Exactly. And, now, and now when you when you when you say the black vote is not for sale and he's got to earn our black vote, we we sometimes you have to hold your nose and and, and, and and vote because if you don't, you know what you're going to get. You right. know what you're going to get. Give give the give the presumptive uh, a, a, a nominee, Democrat nominee, a chance to at least show us. You right. know what you're getting in, in Trump. Right. And so when you say stuff like that, I have friends who say when 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 Hillary Clinton was running, oh, I don't like her, uh, those 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 emails or that server, all that nonsense. I said, quit saying that stuff out loud because mm -hmm. you don't have a choice. You really don't have a choice as a black person. You don't have a choice. She showed us, right. as you all say, sometime before President Obama was a black president. Bill Clinton was our first black president. That's what people were saying. You know, jokingly, but at least you get you know what you're getting in her. You've got Trump. DP Diddy says our vote is not for sale. It's never for sale. But when we don't have a choice, what are you going to do but go with the one that you would have a chance to take care of your interest? And, and, and to, to piggyback off that, P. Diddy is kind of positioned himself in the 1%. And there is a subsect of people in this world, they have so much money, power, and influence, it matters not who's in office, but wow. it matters for us down here. Not saying we're poor, you know, I'm not right, saying that, right. but, but yeah. it, it matters for our, our, our some of our mothers, fathers, and, and brothers, and uncles who, who are not as fluent as we are or as P. Diddy is. That comment hurts them. Yes. You know, it won't hurt right. him if Donald Trump runs again. A black person to get killed, P. Diddy will still be worth six, seven hundred a billion dollars. Yeah, you right. know? So right. that comment from him is kind of selfish. You know, yeah. I, I agree with him, but it, it, it's not proper placing. That's something you don't say out loud. <laughs> I exactly. Guess. Uh, Aaron, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? No, I, I definitely agree. I, I agree. It's 
it's unfortunate wording, certainly. I, I understand in principle what he was attempting to convey, which was to say, hey, you know, you have to earn the black vote by showing that you are committed to black people in a, in a genuine, meaningful way. I can appreciate where he was going there. But to raise point to, to boys, but the, you have you have a very practical decision to make in this particular election. You have an individual in Donald Trump who has demonstrated repeatedly that he has no regard whatsoever for our community whatsoever, right? He has he has demonstrated that since 2013 when he came out with the birtherism tirade against Barack Obama. And then repeatedly thereafter, whenever he was given an opportunity, demonstrated to us clearly that he, he, he did not really care about the interests of our community. I mean, when you go back to the issue that happened in, in, in Virginia uh, a while back, you know, and he says, well, there are goodwill, people of goodwill on both sides. Right? I mean, when you look at a statement that was that was that, you know, blatantly uh, uh, ignorant. Right. You know, and, and for him. That that was commonplace. He says that he says things that are hurtful to our population of people so often that you know we're almost numb to it now, right? right? So, he so, is too, right? He can, he doesn't even know when he's doing it at this point. Right. He, he does frequently frown, right? And and that's why you know I, I I appreciate the sentiment, right? But what we have here is a stark stark decision. It's very clear. You got you got somebody who. I mean, and Joe Biden will have his flaws, but you have someone in the White House that is is so damaging to the to the country at large and to our people in particular that for us to say our vote is for sale to someone other than the Democratic presumptive nominee is unfortunate and and, and nonsensical. I and 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 to add to that to add to that, uh, when I was saying the timing is bad. He could have said that this is something that you should have said during the primaries. Yes. You know, yes. The, the, when you had when you had eight or nine candidates that are vying for the, the presumptive Democratic uh, nominee, and that, that that's something that you say then to yeah. make them all understand yes. that our vote is not for sale. But then, but but to me, this has come out of the Bernie Sanders camp. Those individuals who are salty because Bernie Sanders didn't get didn't win uh, the presumptive Democratic nomination. I've heard from them from and you probably have as well that well Biden still has to earn my vote. Wait a minute, he's the Democratic nominee now, so we all should do our best our best to coalesce around that person because of who is currently in office. I mean, he has done enough damage in this office to, 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 in my mind, make him probably the worst, if not, not one of the worst, but if not the worst president to have ever uh, served uh, in that, in that capacity. So that being said, he doesn't deserve another four years and we can't afford to, to, to put it out there that Biden has to earn our vote. Now, to add to add to what's going on, though, what I will say is, and and Biden has has uh, has already made it clear that this is going that 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 he's going to, um, in some cases or some respects, make this a, a priority. Uh, um, the Ahmaud Arbery case, uh, in particular, where those two uh, white um, white men have already been charged, and I said that when it happened, that's a that's a good first step. But we have to make sure that that's not the last step. 
you know, in this process. So, um, but, but my point is, it, it seems, it sounds to me like Joe Biden, you know, if he wants uh, to really, uh, for us to really get behind him, I think it would be in his best interest to make this, uh, these matters, uh, police brutality and cases like these a top priority between now and November. And, and uh, cause this is what, this is right now on the conscience of black America. This is what everybody's talking about. So it would behoove him in my, in my view to, to, to make that a part of his campaign agenda. I, I don't, I, 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 I want to get your thoughts as well. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, I, I would uh, agree with that because, um, look, what you, what you didn't hear from Trump was him offering up, uh, William Barr, the DOJ, uh, uh, to, to investigate this as a violation of uh, Arbery rights. You, you're not going to hear that. No. Because Trump's not going to provide that. No. And as far as Biden is concerned, it's really, I don't think he'll be crafting the policy so much uh, as he will be at least selecting competent individuals to form his policy. And right. that's what we should be looking at. We know that Trump can't do that. He hasn't. He's demonstrated that. Uh, but I believe that Mr. Biden will. And and, and uh, Mr. Combs would be better served using some of that $900 million of his fortune, uh, uh, <laughs> providing funding, uh, and I mean ongoing funding, right. not just a scholarship for a college or a fashion institute or entrepreneurship, but uh, real funding for advocacy for people of color, whether it be the NAAC 2.0, uh, you know, civil liberties, but some other black think tank, we need someone, well, no, we need individuals of, with means to step forward and fund those types of initiatives that represent us and can address these things immediately, can make legal challenges to the laws to inform their electorate. You know, that's what we need from Mr. P. Diddy, as opposed to his two cents uh, on a t-shirt or a clever mind. Exactly. And I, I really want to, I'm confused about what he said about I will hold the black vote hostage. I don't understand that. Because does anybody, did anybody get that part? I will hold the black vote hostage. But yeah, so, right. So I think, I think that speaks to that 1% that Jeremy was talking about. He might be talking about his rich friends or whoever. <laughs> but they're going to they're gonna hold it hostage, meaning they're not going to give or they're not going to support financially the, 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 the nominee but but for him to say that, you know, uh, um, I don't want us, Mike, to get to the point that we're going to hold Joe Biden hostage on on what did he do to help this particular case? Because by the time he gets in office, that can will be kicked way down the road. I, yeah. I, I, I hate to politi politicalize. Is that a word? Politicize. I hate, to, I hate to make politics out of this crime. But what's going to happen is you've already they've already appointed a black. Republican district attorney to 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 to, to work this case. They're, they're, they're telling you right now, yeah, we go we arrested him, but 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 we're we're setting this up. We're, and I have to say, the Trump the Trump regime, we're 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 setting this up to try to give these these white racist racist men uh, at least a fighting chance in getting in getting out of this crime. It's it's, it's watch the setup. It's yeah. being set up right now. You're right. You watched it. That's why I said it was a good first step, but we have to make sure that it's, uh, uh, it's not the last step. And that's why I bring up the vote because, 
you know, many of us are asking ourselves, well, how can we, how can we get involved? You know, what, what can I do to, to, you know, I only, it's, it's only one of me, you know, but, but it's something Amanda said earlier that our community is not engaged enough. We don't, we don't go to city council uh, meetings enough. We don't, we, we're not, we, we don't go to community meetings enough. We, 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 we don't participate in forums like this enough. We're, there are not enough of us running for political office. They're, they're, we, we need to do more as a community instead of standing on the sidelines complaining about the situation, I think. I don't know if you all agree agree with that, but I think is 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 we we see. I mean, we see people involved. Those of us, we see some people involved, but I don't think enough of us are involved, and that's why we have the person we have in office. We took for granted that that Clinton was going to win. That's why we uh, Michigan didn't show up in in uh, in November. Uh, we were apathetic. We took for granted that. That uh, you know, well, you know, she, uh, she's going to win, and they took advantage of that. So here we have this this idiot in office, and 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 if we're not careful with statements like P Diddy, we will end up with another four years of Donald Trump. And uh, uh, I don't know. Sure. What's for sure, Mike? Can we say that? What's for sure is that Donald Trump's support is going to be there one hundred percent. They talk about how he's lost some. They found out who he was. I'm not buying into that one bit. Mm-hmm. They're going to be there one hundred percent. They don't even like Trump. They, his people, they're going to vote for him. Right. You understand? We're the ones walking around as black people saying, "I don't really know about Joe Biden." You don't have right. a choice, black man. You don't have a choice. You don't have you a don't, choice. They'll vote against their own self-interest to keep that person in and to keep that person in office. And they know that, that you're right. They know that he's he's bad for for uh, for Republicans. They know he is morally bankrupt. But just so that 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 power is 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 so attractive to them that they will vote against their own self-interest. And, and and now what Biden is starting to do, and I heard this, uh, is that he's starting to recruit or trying to recruit some of the Republican brass on his side so that uh, he can he can begin to kind of even the playing field moving toward November so that those Republicans who are not, you know, on the, who are on the fence with Trump, right. he, he's saying, well, you know, because Biden, you know, he's worked with Republicans before. John McCain. I mean, he's the kind of person that's that's really considered a moderate. That's why Bernie Sanders didn't really win because he has a lot of great ideas, but he don't want to work with nobody. Mm-hmm. Biden is willing to work with some work with Republicans, and I think that's where his 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 true power is going to come. Not just in our vote, but being able to even win over some some Republicans that are on the fence with. times are tough. We have a lot going on right now. This is uncharted territory, but remember, God is still in control. I'm radio host Michael Nemes with a word of encouragement just for you. We're going to get through this together. Let's remember those who are on the front lines tackling this virus head on. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. You are the real heroes. And to those who lost loved ones because of the virus, we are still yet praying for you. Those who tested positive for the virus, this is not your end. You are going to get through this. We are going to get through this. Let's do what we can to stay positive, 
stay connected, stay home, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay safe. An important message from the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson. And when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Author and speaker, Dr. Eddie Connor. Uh, I was reading something the other day and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. 50 years later, they're still killing kings, you know, uh, to, to really speak truth to power, but also to... to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also a whole spectrum that in many cases they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the, the tips, tools, and things of the trade or how to govern yourself accordingly. But we see young men all across America and we, you know, uh, in many cases we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone when they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I do feel strongly that as the African-American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I, I can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said, okay, it's time. And that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center, which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Should be the next book you purchase. Written by radio host and minister Michael Nimmons. Vision is an insightful, thought provoking book that is also a helpful tool in getting you to see your life through God's eyes. Vision. Endorsed by best-selling authors Dr. Eddie Connor and Kim Brooks and mega pastor Bishop Charles H. Ellis III. 
Vision is a life-changing book that you need in your personal library. Get your copy today. Available everywhere books are sold online or at michaelnimmons.com. Get your copy today. Vision. Vision. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. In December of 1998, I had the esteemed privilege of representing the graduating class of 98 at Michigan State University as the class speaker during my own commencement ceremonies at the Brethren Student Event Center. The speech was entitled, Write the Vision and Make it Plain. I stood before this August body of graduates and delivered this powerful address that is still currently kept as a part of the commencement archives of this great institution. Tonight, I offer my words as a tribute to all of the outstanding 2020 high school and college graduates. Take a listen. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, good morning to everyone. It is truly an honor and a privilege to be here to the President, to the Board of Trustees, distinguished faculty and staff, and to the college, the graduating class of 1998. Again, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be your commencement speaker. I've been chosen to speak to you today, and I'm speaking to you today from the topic, write the vision and make it plain. We stand here on this 12th day of December, 1998, adding yet another chapter to our own history books. Each of us has a separate book of which we continue adding pages on an almost regular basis. Our first words, our first steps, our proms and high school graduations, and now yet another chapter is being added to the book that we have written. Every day we're offering a chapter in a book that will one day be read by the whole world. Our story has a share of successes and failures. We are authoring this book every day and we are the editors in chiefs, the biographers, the publishers and distributors of its contents. We will determine what is printed, what will make the front page based upon the way we live our lives. Our story is a unique one. We are unique in authoring it. For no one story bears the same likeness or has within it identical content. Our story tells of an individual who is unique in character, cannot be replicated or duplicated, distinct for this period, at a point in time such as this, for a specific purpose of which future chapters will one day unfold. There lies in each of us the potential for greatness, something in us that cannot be pinpointed or bottled up in a jar and sold, cannot be manufactured or mass produced for profit, but it is an intangible presence that everyone recognizes but cannot articulate. We cannot manufacture greatness, but yet there have been and still are so many that are and have yet to achieve greatness. So we determine what level of greatness we will achieve based upon our vision and our determination and preparation which will ultimately determine what the final chapters of our life will read. 
Every great man who's ever become great first became great because of vision. The first Model T was envisioned inside the head of a dreamer. A simple idea involving four wheels and the engine has now become one of man's primary means of transportation. Our nation, which was founded on the principles of liberty and justice, principles that were first espoused in our nation's most treasured transcript of independence. Here, Thomas Jefferson openly declared that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was viewed as a necessary step for escaping the control of the British Empire. The first moonwalk began first with the simple question of, I wonder what's up there, beyond the stars. And so we see that every great thing that was ever accomplished began first with a vision. And so today, as we matriculate from this place to our appointed destinations, this is not a fairy tale of sorts. We haven't envisioned this day in our minds only to occupy time and other people's money. But this is an investment into a future that is sure to bring prosperous dividends, a return in character, spiritual, natural growth, all of which had to have been birthed by a vision. A vision that isn't satisfied until it's run its entire course. A vision that isn't effective until it's accomplished everything that it is set out to do. Vision becomes the motivational tool that builds the bridges to your tomorrows. It wakes you up in the middle of the night when thoughts of giving up have entered your mind. It keeps you company when loneliness begins to diminish your will to continue. It inspires you when encouragement has seemed to have disappeared. William Shakespeare in his famous, in his famous play Hamlet, in the scene where Hamlet is contemplating his own suicide, here he grapples with life's most important question. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is noble in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of trouble, and by opposing in them to die, to sleep no more, and and by and by sleep to say we end the heartaches and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. It is a simple but yet profound statement: to be or not to be. That is the question we all have to grapple with. But now that we have the vision, what shall we do with it? At a time of much confusion, at a time of much needed direction, the prophet of Becca received instruction from God, write the vision and make it plain that he may run that readeth it. Though the vision is for an appointed time, it will speak and will not lie. Though the vision tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Let us run with the vision, the greatest song has yet to be sung, who will sing it? The greatest message has yet to be delivered, who will deliver it? The greatest book has yet to be written, who will write it? The greatest portrait has yet to be painted, who will paint it? The greatest feat has yet to be accomplished, who will achieve it? We will be doing a disservice to mankind if we never allow our vision to be made manifest in our lives. If the greatest song is never sung, if the greatest 
book is never written, if the greatest portrait is never painted, if the greatest melody is never played, we would have forever destined mankind to mediocrity, and our story would be left incomplete, a piece omitted, a chapter left unwritten, untold, and left amongst the what ifs of our human history. But let us embrace our one moment in time, and use this time as it was intended. The vision that you glorify in your mind, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, this you will be of your life by, this you will become. So that's our show for tonight, guys. I hope you enjoyed the conclusion of our discussion, a part of oh, Stand Up and Speak Up, uh, the inaugural listener event that we had back on May the 11th, the Facebook Live event that was aired on uh, our Thinking Out Loud Facebook fan page. I hope and pray that you enjoyed it and got something out of it. Again, the biggest takeaway from this uh, forum was that we need to go out to the polls and vote. That is what we need to do. And again, we're going to be talking more about this in the coming weeks and months leading up into the November election. You're definitely going to be hearing more about uh, voting uh, and what do you need to do uh, to register to vote on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I guarantee it. So that is the point that we wanted to make uh, most importantly in this discussion during our inaugural listener event, uh, Stand Up and Speak Up. Again, I want to thank all of the guests uh, for our Stand Up and Speak Up event. Attorney Amanda McRae, uh, uh, Attorney uh, Jeremy Bowie, uh, the Honorable Kendrick Bates, Deputy Chief Ray Washington, Associate Professor of Michigan State's Criminal Justice, Jennifer Cobina, Attorney Boyd White, and my good friend, Attorney Aaron Burrell. Thank you all for being a part of uh, that Stand Up and Speak Up event. Remember, we're going to be posting the entire event uh, on our Thinking Out Loud uh, YouTube uh, channel, Thinking Out Loud TV. We're going to be doing that very soon, so stay tuned for that. And remember, June, June the 1st is going to be our next uh, listener event. We're calling it the State of Christian Hip Hop. It's a show I've always wanted to do. We're going to have a lot of great panelists, including my good friend, lyricist and poet, who will be co-hosting with me, Ty Scott King. Can't wait uh, to be doing this, guys. We're going to be doing it again on our rebranded YouTube channel, Thinking Out Loud TV. So, guys, we got a lot of great things coming up. And uh, we'll be sharing more of that uh, in the next couple of weeks. So be sure to tune in. You don't want to miss a show. And of course, if you miss a show, you can always go and listen to any of our podcasts uh, on all the major podcasting networks, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, TuneIn, Radio.com, Stitcher, Spreaker, 
her a number of different places, including our own website, michaelnemons.com. Guys, it's a lot of places you can listen to us. We would love to get your thoughts and feedback on any of our shows. Thank you again so much for tuning in tonight. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Live radio show. Your support helps us to increase our exposure across the world wide web. Well, until next time, always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. To get more info about the show and the ministry, visit michaelnemons.com. Want to book radio host Michael Nemons for your next special event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.com. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 p.m. for the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you.